The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Team, let's go ahead and call the Committee of the Whole meeting for July 25th to order. The record re- should reflect the starting time of, actually it's now 531. And with that, Clerk vote, would you please take the roll? Councilmember Hussein? Here. Councilmember Wood? Here. Councilmember Spadafore? Present. Councilmember Spitzley? Here. Councilmember Garza? Here. Councilmember Jackson? Present. Councilmember Brown? Here. Councilmember Daniels? Present. Eight members present, you have a quorum of committee. All right, that takes us to the meeting minutes. Vice President Wood. Uh, thank you, President Hussein. I would move the uh, committee of a whole minutes for the 11th, and I would ask that uh, Council Member um, Garza move the minutes for um, the 19th because I was not at that meeting. So I would move the 11th first. All right, so there's a motion on the floor for the committee of the whole meeting for July 11th, 2022. Is there further discussion? Hearing and seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Uh, Councilman Garza. I'd make a motion to approve the minutes for Monday, July 11th, 2022. No, this would be July 19th. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Joint Board of Water and Light City of uh, Lansing Council meeting. Sorry about that. Yes, I make a motion to, move, to approve the uh, Committee of the Whole and Board of Water and Light Commission. Commissioner's meeting minutes of Tuesday, July 19, 2022. All right. There is a motion on the floor for the discussion. Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. That takes us to uh, let's see, agenda item number four, public comment on agenda items. We do have uh, four agenda items tonight. We have one presentation from the Board of Water and Light dealing with their annual report, uh, budget for fiscal year 2023, and their capital uh, forecast for the next five fiscal years. Uh, we also have discussion action items D, E, and F. Uh, that is, let's see, the Board of Water and Light Rules of Procedure, uh, a ballot proposal for public safety building and equipment, as well as uh, a process uh, for ARPA fund allocation resolution. And so if there's anybody in the gallery that would like to speak to any of those items, we will give you up to three minutes. You can come on down, first come, first serve to the podium. We simply ask that you state your uh, first and last name for the record. Thank you. Good evening, council persons. Elaine Fishoff. Uh, City of Lansing resident. I'm here to speak to items 6 and 6D and E. I believe the uh, the council is in possession of a letter that I provided to the council previously detailing my objections to the uh, Board of Water and Lights proposed rules for procedure. Um, most of those suggestions are suggestions w- uh, to support the ability of the public to understand what BWL is doing currently and what they have planned in the future, in particular with respect to um, their plans for addressing carbon emissions. Uh, The the board is responsible for the vast bulk of emissions in the city. We could all go electric with everything else, and if they don't change their plans, it it, it has little impact much less impact than it could have. Um, The the particular rule that I will focus on is uh, the rule uh, requiring notice of the agenda to the public. 
the uh, language of their proposed rule uh, uh, talks about providing uh, the agenda within 18 hours, hours of the meeting, which means that at 12.01 on the day of the meeting, the, uh, the board can uh, issue, make available its agenda, and any member of the public who wants to speak to that uh, situation has to uh, be on the, on the internet immediately and do their organizing, uh, research, et cetera. It's totally insufficient. And I would suggest that it says within 18 hours, the statute on open meetings requires that at least 18 hours be given. And three days would be reasonable. Friday before would allow the public to actually comment. So I ask that you consider the objections, but I uh, stress that that legally needs to be changed. Uh, the other comment I wanted to make is with, uh, with respect to uh, the, um, the bond proposal. Uh, I, I endorse Ms. Bork's uh, comments about uh, the lack of specificity with respect to the proposal. If it's supposed to be a performance, uh, performance uh, bond, there should be still more information available as was provided with the earlier um, uh, plan being implemented for uh, updating uh, the buildings for the city of Lansing. Thank you. Thank you. Do we have anyone else? Appreciate it. Loretta Stanaway. Uh, first thing I want to touch on briefly is the Board of Water Light. And uh, part of my objection to their uh, proposals is that apparently years ago, without my knowledge, because I wasn't watering anything outdoors, they removed from their pricing structure an opportunity for people that, that water their lawns and flowers or whatever through the summer to have a reduction in their bill for that on their sewage because the water was coming in through the pipes but it wasn't going out through the sewers. So uh, apparently that's been gone and I would like to suggest that they look at reinstating that. It would go a long ways toward helping people keep their lawns and flowers looking civil. Um, second, the Moores Park pool money, the $118,000 that has been requested I certainly hope that that will have a unanimous positive vote this evening. And then on the $175 million bond proposal, I stress again that it seems to me as though you have gotten or are getting the cart before the horse. You're asking for what amounts to a blank check from the public, putting a vote to the public without specifics in place as to where the building would be how it would be structured, who would be doing the construction, uh, how many facilities would be involved. Uh, we can't issue you a blank check and have you remove existing property or buildings from the tax rolls when you could use an existing tax-free building, the Southwest Office Complex, the facility that was the armory on South Washington. We don't need to be going out and buying land and taking that off of the tax rolls when we currently have a place we could use. And we don't need to start from scratch when we could renovate and re reconstruct that facility. There's sufficient parking there between there and the previously uh, McLaren parking lots. There would be more than sufficient parking. 
And um, I think that unless and until you can give us specifics and quit asking for a blank check, you're looking at a failure of the millage request. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Danaway. Mr. Lynn. Uh, Michael Lynn, ooh, shoot. Michael Lynn, Lansing resident. Uh, I wanted to speak on the ARPA funds. Um, I was planning on coming up here and being upset, but you guys did a good thing. Uh, pulling that off and uh, readjusting how those funds are being, out, being given out was a good thing to do. Uh, with the 1.9 million that you guys left though for Andy Shore um, and with the resolution you guys brought here today, I, I think it's amazing. The only thing I would ask is that something more be done. Uh, to make to hold accountability for those funds, um, you know, without getting into the weeds on how that money was given out, it just wasn't equitable. And this is the conversation we continue having: is equity and how we uh, appropriate funds in this city. And I think the council did a really good job of catching that when you did shooting it down and bringing it back. And the resolution that you brought forward with a suggestion, I think that may be a little light, uh, given the fact that we just don't know that we can trust this administration. Um, it doesn't matter what's said in here, what we all agree upon, different things happen. So if there's any power that you all have uh, to put, I don't know if it's it's them coming back here and having approval uh, further with, that, with those funds or what the case would be, uh, but I, if there's anything further you can do other than just encouraging uh, the fox not to eat the hens, um, I, would, I would appreciate that. As far as the millage goes, um, we know there's some needed things that need to be done here. I mean, our, our fire department is in shambles. Our stations are in trash and in shambles. But if you can't explain to us what it is you're going to do, you know, it's just going to be an obvious no, I mean, from the community. If you guys put that through to a vote, then I guess the people would have to, to acknowledge what they want and what they think is right. But uh, I listened to uh, the group speak on that for I don't know how long and pass it from father to son for over a half hour and I couldn't still couldn't gather what we were spending 175 million dollars on uh, but I think that maybe it's possible to section off and maybe this is something you guys can bring back section off what we absolutely know needs to be fixed we know some things just have to be done the fire department has been long forgotten uh, for years and years and years and if you go to station nine just smell the stench in the air that those those guys have to work in you know that so we know we need improvements there. Outside of that, uh, if we have to reevaluate how all the rest of it gets done, you know, in a non-emergent way, that, that sounds more plausible than just lumping all of this in and one, either it gets done or it doesn't, you have to yay or nay it. Um, so that would be my only things. And we'll discuss more, I guess, on the ARPA as we go along in the council meeting, but thank you. Thank you. Do we have anybody else that is interested in public comment? All right, seeing none, that takes us to agenda item number five. This is a presentation from the Board of Water and Light. Um, this is on their annual report, budget for fiscal year 2023, and their capital forecast, sorry, for fiscal years 2023 through 2028. I do believe we have our finance director, Scott Taylor, uh, with us tonight. We certainly appreciate you being here, as well as our chief financial officer uh, with the Board of Water and Light, Heather Shawa. Um, as we do this on an annual basis. We receive this, uh, the clerk actually received this July 5th, placed it on file. Um, and as we do uh, every single year, uh, we invite the board in uh, for a presentation. And then we uh, will certainly open it up for questions and comments from the council. So that being said, I'm gonna turn the floor over. Thank you. Good evening, there we go, council members. Um, thanks for having us. Um, we have planned for you tonight a few highlights to give you a little bit more insight into our budget and forecast than what you might have seen, just what was submitted to you. 
Um, I'll kind of walk through some highlights for you that are sort of in sequence with the information you've been given, so hopefully easy to follow along. Um, just one quick reminder is that um, as a public utility, a lot of people might wonder why does a municipal utility need to generate a net income? And you'll see we have nearly a, a $6 million net income. It's very important um, because that's what funds our, our reinvestment in our infrastructure. Um, just as an example, if we invest a million dollars today, that may be an asset that lasts 20 years. But then when it comes time to replace that asset in 20 years, it's going to be at an inflated cost. And so if we didn't recover a return on our investment and generate a net income, we wouldn't have the additional funds needed to replace those assets at their new inflated cost. So that's why it is very important, even though we're a not-for-profit entity or a government entity, to generate a net income so that we can reinvest and maintain our reliability of our infrastructure. Um, a couple key assumptions that went into our budget and forecast for 23. Um, our Ericsson plant um, will cease operations this year in December. Um, that was built into our forecast. Um, our Delta Energy Park facility is now fully operational, um, and that was also built into our forecast. Um, typically, um, we do our forecast for load using an econometric model and regression analysis, which basically just means we look back at our actual results plus future economic indicators to see what our, our load will be. Um, that's how we determine our sales volumes. Um, we rarely add additional sort of anticipated new business. Um, however, the Ultium battery plant um, is obviously very significant um, to our load. Um, and there was enough, that, was, that project was far enough along that we did build that in to our forecast. Um, obviously, fiscal year 23 is minimal impact. It's going to be mostly construction and development. Um, but eventually, as they get up to full load, that will have a, uh, a positive impact on our overall uh, budget and forecast. Um, we are generally conservative with our budget and forecast, um, a reasonable deg degree of conservatism. Um, and then our history shows, be, as a result, we've generally been able to, beat our to meet or exceed the budget and forecast that we put forward. Um, the budget and forecast does also assume that uh, rate increases uh, for this year become effective November 1st. Um, and they have not been approved as part of the budget and forecast. Um, we have to go through, we go through the rate hearing, public rate hearing process. Um, that will be in September. Um, looking at the income statement, uh, you'll see that revenues are over $400 million at about $422 million. Uh, you'll also see that since we generate our own energy, not a lot of municipal utilities do that, but we do generate a large portion of our own energy. Um, as a result, you can see nearly half of our spending um, is in the fuel line. Um, also, you'll see return on, return on equity. Uh, it's at $24.9 million for fiscal year 23. Um, that's consistent with other previous discussions we've had on the topic. Um, and also, again, since we do tend to to budget slightly conservatively with our forecast revenues, um, we, do we do expect to be able to reach or exceed that uh, figure this year. Um, looking ahead to the 23 cash flows, um, most of those items you've seen before, but just a couple um, that I'll highlight for you. Um, towards the bottom of the inflows, you'll see a gas pipeline payment refund. What that is, is when we built the Delta Energy power, power plant, uh, we had to bring in a gas supply source. Um, that was a little over a $30 million project. Um, consumers put that in as part of the project. However, um, as long it was refundable. So as long as we use the expected gas that we expected to use for the facility, that's refunded over a period of five years. So the $7 million is the first refund uh, projected for the first year. Uh, and we do expect to hit our volumes and, and get a refund of nearly 100% nearly of the, the initial capital outlay. Another item you'll see down below is decommissioning cost um, at about $2.85 million. 
That's associated with the decommissioning of our Ecker facility. The generation facility is closed, um, and so over a period of time, we'll be working to decommission that facility. Uh, as far as our capital plan goes, on the capital sheet, you'll see two different breakdowns. One of them is by utility, so you can see where the capital investment's going, and one of them is more specific by location. Uh, you will notice both totals are the same, um, and they average about $72 million a year on average. Um, again, that gets back to the return um, that we need to generate so that we can reinvest in our infrastructure um, at about $72 million a year to maintain the system reliability. Um, all, you'll also notice that the electric T&D, T&D is transmission and distribution, um, is our largest budget line on there. Um, that is associated with our Lansing Energy Tomorrow initiative um, to get out of the Eckert property. Um, the Eckert generation is closed. The plant doesn't operate anymore. However, there's a significant substation there. Um, and so to, to, in order to vacate um, the property entirely eventually, um, we need to reinforce our overall T&D infrastructure. It will make it more reliable, more resilient, and give us more points of interconnect to increase reliability uh, in the future. Um, and there's several substations in there as well. Uh, substations range generally from 10 to $30 million per project, depending on the number of circuits they have and the number of customers um, that, they that they serve. Um, also of note is the water T&D line, water transmission and distribution. You'll see it's around $9 million in fiscal year 23, but it grows to over $17 million by fiscal year 28. Um, you may have heard um, General Manager Peffley talk about we need to replace eight miles of main per year. We have about 800 miles of water main in our system, and they, last, they have a life of about 100 years. So if we're not replacing them at a rate of eight miles per year, we're eventually going to have a problem down the road. So um, we're ramping up to get to that eight miles a year so that we can maintain the reliability of our water distribution system. Uh, that kind of concludes the highlights and, and insight I had planned to share. Um, if you have any questions, we're happy to, to respond to any additional information you'd like. Sure, and we appreciate that, Mr. Taylor. Do we have questions or comments from the council? Vice President. Uh, thank you, President Hussein. Just a couple questions. You did mention the potential of a rate increase. Could you tell us what you are bringing before the commissioners? Sure. If you look um, on the income statement at the bottom, you can see the proposed that what, what we forecast for rate increases. Again, those are not approved. That's just forecast based on needed revenues for those years. Um, the electric utility is close to generating the target return it needs and its cost of service. So those increases are around 2%. Water and steam are a little bit further behind generating their required rate of return. So you can see those are just over 9%. Um, and then chilled water is at 4%. Those are, what those numbers represent are the needed revenues to get to our, uh, um, for, the, for that, for fiscal year 23. Um, and then we will go through our rate setting process. In September, we'll have a public hearing where we'll present um, updated rate sheets. At that time, we'll present that. Public will have an opportunity to comment. Um, and then the Board of Commissioners will review public feedback and make a determination at that time. Okay. And then one of our speakers talked about um, the um, meter. And I, and I thought we had approved and there was a uh, the ability for people to purchase a meter that they could be used for yeah um, that's still in place Absolutely. that's still in place yep. yes. it's a separate okay. meter um, for residential watering yes yep. okay thank you um, that answers my questions thank All you right. do we have other questions or comments seeing none thank you so much for being here Ruth. thank you we thank appreciate you. it as, as always um, we're going to go ahead and move on to our next agenda item, discussion action item. Uh, let's see. This is D. Sorry. This pertains to the Board of Water and Light Rules of Procedure. 
We're going to go ahead and pull up uh, Mr. Price and Mr. Mattis. Certainly appreciate you two being here. Uh, just a little bit of background as they get situated. Uh, the Border Water and Light Board of Commissioners has uh, rules of procedure. They have recently made some uh, amendments to those rules of procedure. Um, per the charter, they then uh, submitted those to uh, the city clerk. Uh, they, those were vetted by the city attorney's office. And then at our last committee meeting, uh, which was July 11th, we actually received those. Per the charter, um, if we don't direct essentially um, those rules to, to a committee, as an example, um, for, for deliberation and consideration, um, they are basically um, automatically effective. Um, but what we did on July 11th was we actually referred those uh, to Committee of the Whole. Uh, we wanted to bring in uh, Mr. Price because we saw, um, I, I think, more amendments, more changes than, than maybe what has been typical historically. Uh, and so we certainly wanted to bring him in and give him an opportunity uh, to address the changes. Uh, pursuant to the charter, um, we can object to uh, either part or all uh, of their changes and then send them back to the board uh, with a letter ex essentially explaining why we've objected. Uh, but that's kind of putting the cart before the horse. So what we're going to do is uh, turn the floor over to Mr. Price. Uh, we are in, um, or we have uh, received correspondence from an earlier speaker, uh, Mrs. Elaine Fishoff. Uh, and so I've also asked Mr. Price to uh, address some of those concerns as well. Mr. Price, you have the floor. Great, thank you. As you know, I brought my attorney with me, and he'll be uh, letting me know when uh, I, I shouldn't testify. So, um, no, thanks for having us here. I, I wanted to tell you a little bit about the process we went through. Uh, revising these rules, amending these rules, has been something uh, we've looked at actually over the last five or six years, and just finally got around to taking the time and doing it. Um, there are a number of rules that were obsolete. There were requirements for physical delivery of notices to commissioners when nobody does that anymore. We do it via email. Um, there were things that were just wrong. Uh, there was a requirement that non-voting members, as you know we have three, were required to vote in closed session. That didn't make any sense. Uh, it was an interpretation by a previous city attorney that was inaccurate. Um, they're non-voting members, they don't vote. Uh, so uh, those were some of the things we looked at. The way we went about this and started late last winter, we solicited input from all commissioners, all voting commissioners and uh, non-voting commissioners, and, and they submitted them to the corporate secretary who started compiling them and then uh, we started reviewing those uh, with our attorney to make sure we weren't putting something in that was uh, in violation of the Open Meetings Act or, or the city charter. Uh, the um, executive committee reviewed all the submissions for form uh, with, uh, the city, with our attorney. And then they were all brought to the Committee of the Whole for a very lengthy meeting where each change was uh, voted on. Whether it was, and if there were, there were some changes that were grammatical that we didn't obviously need votes, but anything that was substantive, the committee of the whole voted on, uh, construed the whole document, and moved it to the full board, which was then passed unanimously. So um, we were fortunate to have an expert in our non voting members, Larry Merrill, who many of you may know as a former president of the, uh, the county association, Michigan County Association, because considered an expert on local government, and he was able to provide some counsel as well, because basically what we're creating here are our bylaws. So um, 
Mark, do you have anything else you want to say? No, well, well said, uh, Chair. It was uh, a lengthy process. Um, City Attorney Smirko was present for a lot of it, most of it, and uh, I think we they had some differences of opinion, of course, but in the end, everybody agreed that this was the best route. There were a few issues that, um, you know, that um, Ms. Fishoff raised that uh, I'd speak to briefly if you would like me to. Certainly, thank you. Uh, today, she, she made the point um, that the Open Meetings Act says at least uh, 18 hours, and that is what it says, and the rules, uh, the commissioner's rules, uh, as far as special meetings, do say at least 18 hours. Um, but over in the section on the agenda, it does say within 18 hours. Now, agendas aren't notice of a public meeting. They are just agendas. Um, and the board does publish uh, its agendas on a regular basis, usually three days in advance. And we normally, for a Tuesday meeting, our agendas are published the previous Friday. So again, um, not strictly within the scope of the uh, statute there. I think we have a question. Councilwoman Spitzley. Yes. Thank you, Mr. President. So um, if, if you do do it within three days, why did you cross out? Why didn't you just leave distribution three days preceding? Why, why change it to within 18 hours prior to a regular or special meeting? Why did we, I'm sorry, I didn't. You, you, what you stated that the agenda is usually published three days before the meeting. My question is, if that's your standard practice, why would you then codify um, in your procedures um, within 18 days? As a matter of fact, you crossed out made of it, you crossed out three days preceding and put in within 18 hours. So I'm 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 questioning if you're if you regularly do it for three days prior, why would you change it in your policy to 18 hours? I'm thinking back to that discussion. I think it was just to be that we would be in compliance with the Open Meetings Act and not, and even though our practice would be beyond that, we wouldn't necessarily put ourselves in jeopardy if we didn't do it. Well, and, and I appreciate that. I, I am a fan of transparency. Um, and so, you know, meeting the letter of the Open Meetings Act I guess is okay, but I don't. I, I I still don't understand, and I think it's unfortunate that you would change it from three days preceding to within 18 hours because it implies um, a lack of transparency for the agendas. Thank well, you. we also publish all our meetings, all our board meetings starting uh, in January, so the meetings are all noticed a year out as well. So. All right, uh, Councilman Jackson. Thank you. Just to piggyback on that same point, I think the purpose that the citizens want to have the agenda items is not to know that there's a meeting, but to know what's on the meeting so that they can decide if they want to come, maybe do some research, do their due diligence. And I appreciate the comment that you don't want to hold yourself, I don't know, maybe I don't, not to a higher standard, but put yourself out there. I don't think you would face any legal problems if you um, published it less than three days, which is your normal practice to do it more than three days. Um, I think the most you would probably have to do is explain we couldn't do it in the three days because something changed within that time and therefore we published it within 18 hours. So I would support um, that being Take it back and tell us to make it three days. 
Want to address that? Sure. Thank you. Um, I think if City Council would like that to happen, you can send that back and we can make that happen. All right. Thank you so much. Do we have others? Uh, Vice President Wood. Um, and, and I'm sorry I was talking while you were talking, so if, uh, to my colleagues, so if you address this, I apologize. Um, but we were looking at the um, notice on uh, section 2, 2.1, which is the publication of dates, which does talk about three days prior to the regular scheduled meeting in January that you are using three days there, but then you go to yep. your agenda part. That is the dates of all board meetings. Correct. I, I get that. And three but days prior to... Sorry, can you make I, sure you're, the, the mic is pulled up so that we can oh, hear I'm you? Sorry. Thanks so much. I, I understand that. I understand what that section is, and I understand, you know, that that's for, um, as, as I said, um, the time of all regular scheduled meetings in January. I, I see. All of them. I, okay. I got that. <laughs> but it says three days there, but yet you then, on the agenda one, you went to the 18 hours. So I think, you know, there seems to be um, a discrepancy there. If you can do three days there, I'm not sure why you can't do three days in the other, is, is, my, is my comment. All right, are there others? All right, just a few for you um, that I received. On page one, section 1.2, subsection 1.21, uh, this pertains to special meetings. Essentially what it does is it drives the number up from two to four members. Uh, needed to call a special meeting with the chairperson, not yes. the person to call. Can you talk a little bit about this? Sure. Uh, this was brought to us by uh, Commissioner Merrill, and he specifically brought a section from the Roberts Rules of Order. And, he's, and, and the rules are, are discussing creating your bylaws or, uh, for an organization, and it says, a section authorizing the calling of special meetings should state by whom such meetings can be called, such as the president, the board, or a specified number of members nearly equal to a quorum and the number of days notice be required. So that's right out of Robert's rules. And we, instead of going four, I mean, instead of going five, we went four, that's half the board. Now, that being said, the chair can also call a special meeting. Uh, so uh, it's not as if it can't be done. But we felt if it's special, that means it can't, it can't wait until the next board meeting. It's gotta be done now. And if it's that serious, then the, probably the chair can call it. Uh, if we could take a look at page four, this is section six. Uh, this pertains to uh, your annual organization. Uh, there's been some changes, so it says that um, now no commissioner who serves as chairperson or vice chairperson of the board can serve as a chairperson of a standing committee other than the executive and board pension fund trust uh, committees. Could you talk a little bit about the reason behind that? Wait, I'm, I'm not sure I'm so This would be, yep, I'll take you back to it. Page four. Yep, page four. Uh, section six. Okay, annual, okay. Annual organization. And you guys have added language in there that no commissioner who serves as chairperson oh, yes. or vice chair. Yeah. Yes. So can you talk about that a bit? Um, previously, if you were chair and uh, no one uh, stepped up to be chair of a subcommittee or a committee, the chair could serve. 
but members felt they didn't want that. Uh, that's too much authority vested in the chair, and so it, it, the members asked that it be changed to uh, uh, the chair can only serve as the chair, basically. So. Um, and then the only other one, I actually just want to give you an affirmation. If you look at page 7, uh, section 9.2, and it's, it's actually a new subsection, 9.2.3, uh, and it speaks to the board needing to endeavor to rotate officers of the board regularly. Um, I, you know, obviously I assume why um, that was added, but I appreciate that aspect in terms of trying to empower new leadership and uh, certainly scaffold people into those positions. So I just wanted to give you affirmation regarding that. It sounds like, um, unless I'm mistaken, and, and I'll certainly defer to uh, law, that some of the concerns we heard are substantial enough to work with the law office, draft a letter, and then kick this back over to the board, correct? That's the procedure uh, under the charter is for you to send your concerns, send it back to the Board of Water and Light if that's what this body wants to do. Am I seeing heads now? Vice President Wood? I would move that the um, chair uh, working with law construct a letter that uh, meets the concerns of council and have that go back to uh, the board with those few issues. And there were a couple um, of items that uh, came up um, that I will make sure that you receive that had to do with some sections that it refers back to in the in the rules but were deleted, that were removed. And so they just need to be cleaned up. So we'll um, add those to, to that request okay. as well. Thank you. All right, there's a motion on the floor for the discussion. Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All those opposed, same side. Motion carries, and we appreciate you two being here. Thanks Thank so much. Thank you. That takes us to agenda item uh, six. Let's see, E. Uh, this is the resolution that pertains to the ballot proposal, specifically uh, public safety or a public safety building and equipment bond proposal. Uh, we've discussed this uh, now at a few meetings. I'm going to go ahead and ask as I kind of introduce this, yep, for, for Kevin and, and John uh, McGraw to come down from River Caddis. Thank you so much. Before I get into a brief explanation, Vice President Wood. I would move this item be taken off the table. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. Um, there's a motion on the floor to take this item off the table for further discussion. Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. All right, looks like we also have, let's see, the Chief of Fire joining us, the Chief of Police joining us. We appreciate you being here. Um, if Chief Judge Buchanan wants to come down, that is fully appropriate as well. Thank you so much. All right, so as, folk know, as folks know, sorry, we are um, working to determine whether or not we're gonna move forward with a, a ballot initiative to authorize essentially the city uh, to borrow up to $175 million uh, through the issuance of bonds. Uh, this would be to erect a new public safety facility building uh, that would include uh, police administration, fire administration, courts, uh, as well as the city's lockup and then make a number of investments uh, to a number of uh, public uh, safety facilities uh, through our public safety facilities throughout the city of Lansing, namely our, our fire departments. Um, we, this would constitute a 3.9 um, mill tax increase, uh, which is about three, $3.90 per $1,000 of taxable value. Uh, this would be uh, over the course of 30 years. My understanding uh, is on average for a residential property owner, uh, this would constitute $153 uh, in annual increases per year. Uh, that being said, we did have uh, River Caddis uh, in at our last meeting after a short kind of recap from the mayor. Um, they uh, worked to address concerns, uh, answer questions, 
um, and, and frankly, this body was not satisfied uh, with, with, with the answers. And so there was a uh, motion to table. We, in fact, did that. Uh, Post-meeting, uh, we came up with a number of questions. We actually conveyed those through our office manager to the mayor. Uh, the mayor got those over to River Caddis. They were able to get us answers um, this past Friday. Uh, so in your packets, uh, you do have um, a presentation that I believe uh, these two gentlemen are going to go through, uh, as well as a number of answers to the, to the questions that were posed uh, by this body. Um, certainly, we want to provide uh, for an opportunity uh, you know, post-presentation um, uh, to ask additional questions. I do believe some other questions have come about um, as I've talked to council members about this. Um, and then we also need to understand that we have uh, process uh, related. We have until August 16th, essentially, to convey this to the county clerk for placement on the ballot. Um, so this does not necessarily have to be done, done tonight if people aren't comfortable, uh, but we can move forward with this tonight uh, if folks are comfortable and then actually take it up for final consideration at tonight's meeting. So that being said, I'm going to turn the floor over uh, to Mr. and Mr. McGraw. Can you guys see the presentation? We cannot, but City TV does have that. Uh, so if we could get Faith uh, with City TV, if we could get that presentation up. Did she get, okay, she gave you the remote. Fantastic, thanks so much, Faith. Perfect, well thank you all uh, for having us here. Uh, my name is John McGraw from River Caddis. This is Kevin McGraw from River Caddis. <clears throat> and um, I'm going to briefly uh, introduce the contents of tonight's uh, presentation, uh, and then I'm going to pass it over to Kevin. He's going to go over River Caddis's his role, uh, experience, uh, kind of the the who and the why of River Caddis. And I'm going to jump into the project, and we're going to get into the the approach, the scope, the budget, and so on. Um, so, Kevin, I'm going to pass it over to you. Thank you, Kevin McGraw from River Caddis. Um, first, I want to apologize. Because I think we appeared to be overly vague last time, and that's not indicative of who we are. And I did not. I was. I also was not satisfied when I left. You probably saw in my in my features. But having presented a lot of information in previous meetings and the fact that this is a city project, I'll be honest. I was a little unsure as to what I could or should divulge, and so I was uncomfortable. And you probably could see that. That was my mistake. Um, Immediately after the meeting, I talked to the mayor, and he stressed that we need to fully and publicly divulge everything. So please accept my apology for last week and allow us to fully answer your questions. Um, you will see that there's been a lot of work that's gone into this to get us to this stage, and that's why it's unfortunate that it ha that happened last week. You should have in your packet that, that uh, Council President mentioned uh, written responses to your questions, especially as to our experience. So I won't waste your time going over that unless there's further questions. But I'd like to state that we're fully qualified to not only do this for you, but we have the capacity to see it through. First is your experience, besides all the public, or I'm sorry, the private developments we've done and the public-private partnerships we've done, we've acted as a construction consultant on several fire stations, um, a couple of jail renovations, expansions, and a combined police and fire, all in Michigan, and all within a stone's throw, by the way, of Greater Lansing. Um, as I discussed last time, we've done numerous P3 projects and dozens of private developments throughout the country, and we were owners rep on all these projects. And we've, all, we've also self-financed all of our projects as, as we're um, very well capitalized. I know the Chamber's issued other questions. This letter that you have in your packet has answered the vast majority of those. We've also met with the Chamber on several occasions and answered questions, and I do fully expect their support of the city in this endeavor after they absorb all that. <clears throat> now, if our company has a niche, 
is that we tackle complex projects, and this is a complex project. In fact, a lot of our projects come from referrals from municipalities where others have either stumbled or failed to, to complete it, and, and I take pride in that. In every municipality we go to, we actually ask them what their problems are, what they want to fix, and we try to incorporate that into a solution, into whatever we're contemplating and doing in that municipality. But while these are all appropriate questions to us from you, it's important to note that this is a city project. It's not a private development, and it's not a River Caddis development. For the past one and a half years, we've been working for the city, for you. We responded to an RFP, based, and based on our experience, we had explained to the mayor that we wanted to look at all of your stalled real estate or municipal projects holistically or as a whole, and try to figure them out as a whole, because we found success in that in the past. And by going through this process over a year and a half, with your staff and your financial consultants, I'm happy to show you that we've all figured out a path. And it came together pretty quickly, which is why we came to you pretty quickly. John will show you the amount of time and work that's already been done to get us here, which will substantiate your positive vote to put this on the ballot this November. We would really appreciate your vote tonight so we have the time to properly retain our campaign consultant, which we need to do, and not the city, and get this done. We're excited to be working with you and we continue to help during the ballot process, not only financially, but also with our work efforts to assist the providing of information to the public to convince them that this is the right project, the right time, and the right process. John will further explain what happens after this process and if the ballot is successful and how you, the council, will still be involved in the process up to approving the total amount, where the funds are going, including the overall design, construction, location, and he'll explain how that works. And so you're not writing a blank check. You're not losing control. You will, you will have input into all of that. So as your owner's rep at risk, because we've been doing this at our risk for the last year and a half, we will assist the city in hiring construction manager, uh, whom we all know, uh, they all know me here locally, who will construct the project along with architects, engineers, et cetera. And we're gonna monitor the entire process from beginning to end, soup to nuts. And we're gonna make sure that it's done on time and on budget because that's what we do with all our projects across the country. I actually give kudos to the mayor for thinking of this with different optics. Instead of looking at these stalled projects for a couple of administrations that couldn't get going, he, he listened to us and said, let us look at it differently from a different perspective. And we've got everybody in the room, you saw little light bulbs go on above everybody's head over time, and it all kind of gelled. And so we're hoping that we can convince you, that you can convince your constituents that we have enough information for you to go through this process. Thank you. All right, so I wanted to uh, get into a little bit of the, the project itself uh, and, and start with the philosophical approach, the, and, and, and we'll briefly touch on this. So the, the holistic objective, and on the first page, we, there was a tagline that you could see, efficient, safe, and optimized. So efficient uh, represents us updating uh, inefficient end-of-life infrastructure with energy-efficient purpose-built spaces that lower the city's cost of operations. Safe. Safety's incredibly important, right? And that, that happens throughout the entire process, whether it's accessibility, functionality, whether it's structural, whether it's the, the, the health and wellness of, of everyone inside of the building. Safety is a critical component of this project, and this will lead to a healthy, uh, healthier or healthy public safety staff, improved recruitment, 
retention, and training. And finally, optimization. Uh, back to purpose-built or intentional spaces, taking a holistic view, an intentional view at these structures and uh, providing a centrally and strategically lo uh, located uh, facility that is going to improve uh, service delivery and improving response times. So how do we get here today, or our approach? Essentially, there was a group of uh, studies that had been done in the past. We took those studies, compiled them, looked at them from a holistic facility standpoint, uh, reduced those away for the public safety and said, okay, we have a, public, a potential public safety campus. Then we went through and inspected these facilities. We reviewed from a high level these facilities, the buildings, the outsides. We worked with the department heads, uh, with, with some of their staff, dozens of meetings. Then we had interviews of the philosophical, the historical, the building background, uh, information uh, of all of these department heads to better understand what's been going on, right? How do we understand the entire story of these buildings from, from beginning to end? We took all of that information, we compiled that into a, a uh, space design for these uh, um, buildings and these facilities, and then we confirmed those space designs with, with the departments. So we walked through, we said, are, are each one of these spaces inside of these buildings for your facilities, is this accurate? After that confirmation, we then facilitated and put together a financial analysis and then developed a budget design for this project. After that, we took that budget, the entire budget that we had for this project, that we delineated from a, from a um, certain level, and then we verified it with construction consultants. So now getting into the scope. What is this project, right? We, we've heard a couple questions on that. What exactly are we getting for this millage? So we have new facility scope, and then we also have existing renovation scope. Within the new facility scope, we have a few different projects. We have the police department, the fire department, and 54 district court, <clears throat> as well as detention. Within the police department, it is a relocation uh, of both uh, um, police department that is located at City Hall as well as Wise Road. We also have fire department, which includes potential relocation of Station 1, uh, of portion of Station 1, uh, which is the executive administration. The Station 1 still remains at Chiawassee. Uh, that also includes, for, for new facility scope, uh, training center. Um, and for 50 for a district court and detention, that includes the, the district court that is involved within uh, the city hall. So that is the, the court, uh, the multiple court rooms, everything that goes on with that, the administration, the probation, the magistrate, all of those facilities within that. I mean, it's the holistic work. We're building a new district court. <clears throat> now, within existing renovation, Right? the existing buildings that we need to update, take care of. We're talking about Station 1, which I briefly touched on, which we're moving a portion of that facility into this proposed um, a new facility, uh, a public safety campus. Then we have Station 2 off North Grand River and Station 8 off Marshall Road. So what exactly, right, it was one of the questions, what are we doing to those... Oh, excuse me, next slide. 
There we go. Looks good. Um, so renovation, what, what exactly takes place within this renovation? Right, we have MEP system update or mechanical, electrical, and plumbing, the, the, the arteries of the building. Right? We need to make sure that the, the air, the water, and the electrical is safe. Then it all, and, and all of this is surrounded by safety, health and safety. We need to make sure that these buildings are safe. Right? So we have accessibility, functionality, and we have building structure, building code, and we also have other compliance uh, through um, 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 excuse me, NFPA. So then we further delineated this uh, <clears throat> from the scope of work into what's this going to cost, right? We have, um, you know, in our last meeting we had, or in our, in our initial meeting, we had a, a square footage and we had a total. So from our last meeting, we further delineated that into police, fire, court, and detention, and then came up with a total. Also included our um, contingencies and inflation, because we're talking about uh, a year out or, or uh, a ways out for um, our construction design. And you can also see that we've, for station one, two, and eight, uh, put uh, numbers to those renovations. Now again, that jumps back to what we believe um, will cost to update and put these buildings in a health and safe manner. Next steps. So the next steps we have pre-vote activities and then we have post-vote. Within the pre-vote activities, one of the most important um, aspects of this is, is land control. We need to finalize our land control and let everybody know where this is going. Then, Councilwoman Spisley. Land? We need to finalize the location, excuse me. Uh, next is to put out a competitive process for design services as well as construction management slash uh, general contracting services. This is a competitive process that River Caddis is going to help oversee with the city through their purchasing department. We're going to make sure that we're getting uh, everything that the citizens want for this type of project. The contractors who have the most experience in in delivering these projects, the engineers and designers who have the most experience in designing these, and then also including that into local workforce. Um, next is to formally engage a campaign advocacy team. So we have initially engaged Grassroots Midwest, and one of the first things that they're going to do is put together a or establish a ballot question committee uh, to assist in educating citizens about the benefits of the project. River Caddis is fully supportive of that effort and will engage financially and otherwise to make that committee successful. And finally, we're requesting an avenue or a path um, for constituent contact meetings or stakeholder engagement meetings uh, to inform multiple groups of the public so we can make sure that the public's voice is heard and we can integrate that into this project and process. Our goal is to work with you 
and make sure that this is a fully transparent process and, and what we're delivering is what we said we were going to deliver from the very beginning. And we have, excuse me, before we get to that one, we have post vote activities. And post vote activities jump into design input from these delivery partners. And these delivery partners are what we talked about previously from the competitive process, the, the design professionals, the, the construction managers. And then we're going to present a schematic design and allow folks to see what we've designed where and get their thoughts. Right? Whether that's community stakeholder engagement meetings, whether that's uh, constituent meetings, as well as planning commission and understanding the layout, as well as city council. And then we will refine that and then come back for approval of these designs. Immediately following that, that will trigger getting to construction drawings. Once those construction drawings are completed, then we will be able to get to a GMP or a guaranteed maximum price that will line item out every single item in construction. It will, it will let, <clears throat> it will show and explain each project from a cost standpoint that we can agree to uh, or that, that can be approved to then issue bonds. And as soon as we issue bonds, we can begin construction, and as soon as that happens, I mean immediately as that happens, we initiate renovations for the fire department. One of the questions that we've been getting is, um, feels a little rushed. Uh, we've been spending a lot of time on this, and, and we understand that, and the questions that we've gotten last week and over the period, they've all been great questions, and, and uh, hopefully we've been able to narrow down on some of those questions tonight, or most of them. One of these is why not wait till next August or next election? And it all comes down to safety, safety and cost. Essentially, the problems aren't necessarily going away, and we need to make sure that we act now before safety becomes a real issue. It's critical. Prices aren't going down. And so it's our opinion that if the need is there, we're providing a holistic solution that brings this project to a potential reality with consensus. And we can bring in uh, a bunch of different um, avenues for synergy, for, uh, for, for shared costs. And so we have our summary. And then what I'd like to do after the summary is point this over to uh, the departments and allow them to briefly speak. I'm sorry. So I had a couple of hands go up. I know one uh, could actually wait. Is this in response to something you said? Okay, Councilwoman Smith, go ahead. Thank you, Mr. President. So, you know, you, you, um, you shared with us that you guys have been working on this um, for a couple of years, but you know, council just, this just came before council and you're asking us to make a decision in a few weeks. And so we have questions. And I think it's appropriate that we have questions about the process. So let's, we'll, we'll go from there. Um, you, you talk about the station one renovations and you're estimating it's gonna be $4.8 million roughly. Um, why, why so much 
for station one. If you're just moving, so you're moving the administration out, then you're gonna do $4.8 million in renovations at that station after you move the administration out, is that? So in our um, response to the city council questions, we put in there station one um, and I believe it was, well, station one was one where we <clears throat> were moving the executive admin to the new building, right. right? We don't have a formalized plan to to fully go through. So the but four have, point, but you have four point eight million. The four point eight million dollars is one renovation. Yes, ma'am. So so that that number came off of a square footage base that we utilized as a budget number. Okay. Um, the other thing. You, um, I see you need the list of projects um, that you've done um, in the municipals, but uh, you were a construction consultant for those, it looks like it. So are you, is this, this project is a little different um, than those projects where you were the construction consultant. Are you actually gonna be the developer and the, all, you know, a little bit more involved in this, is that correct? The construction consultant meant there was somebody else doing doing the draws and everything else. We're going to assist the city in all of all of this as an owner's rep, which we've done in every other project. The specific question we got a couple of weeks ago was, do you have any municipal experience in Michigan? So we specifically went through the ones that had to do with what the questions were asked. But we are going to help you from soup to nuts on this one. Okay. Then my last question, um, you talk about you're still um, uh, working on getting control of a privately owned piece of property. I, I, you don't need to say anything. I understand about redevelopment and, and deals. I, I, I do that during the day. Um, but my question to you is who, when you say we are currently working on getting control of a privately owned piece of property, who is we? I think, I think Mayor Shore wants to address that. Mayor Shore. Thank you, Mr. President. I wasn't sure when to jump in, and this is why I took a call a minute ago. Um, we have an answer to the location question. All righty. Yes. Um, uh, we've been talking at length with McLaren about the empty parking lot right next to SWAC. Um, so I know that's come up several times. Um, we, are, uh, we have a verbal agreement with McLaren that should this pass on the ballot that we will purchase that lot. Um, so we're going to work through the details, but that is the location. The location that we're anticipating is the McLaren uh, that empty McLaren parking lot right next to SWAC on Washington, right near Washington Park, which would be big enough to um, to have a nice sized building there. It's not being used because McLaren has moved. Um, so these gentlemen um, were purposely vague because we didn't have it under under uh, control, and we now believe that we do. So that is where we're going to be looking to locate. And, and again, we is the city of Lansing. We? Yes, the city of Lansing. Okay, yes. this is a city of Lansing project, so it would be. Built I'm by just the, asking. Yep, yep. This will be built by the city of Lansing. These gentlemen will be the owners' reps. We're going to have a, um, you know, a local construction company. Um, we expect it to be a local company. Um, they're just making sure that we get all the pieces in place. So, um, but yes, that's the location that we are planning. All right. Do you have anything else, Councilwoman Spitzley? Not at this moment. All right. And I certainly want to honor the fact that both of, both of our chiefs are here as well as our, our chief judge. 
Uh, but because of the flow right now, what I'd like to do is continue on with questions, and then what we'll do is we'll make sure that we turn the floor over to you before we actually um, you know, figure out what we're going to do uh, with what, you know, the, the action item that's before us. Uh, with that being said, Vice President Wood. Uh, thank you, President Hussein. First of all, I want um, both chiefs and the chief judge to understand that there isn't a member up here that doesn't understand your needs. Um, and if tomorrow we could go out there and make sure that you had what you need to do the job, we would be willing to do it. Our questions have to do with the information that we've received in order to make sure that we're making a, a um, decision that we can say to the public that the information that was provided to us now allows you to be able to make those decisions. So having um, said that, I've got a series of questions um, for you that I'd like to start with. Um, starting on page one of the questionnaire that you filled out and gave back to us, I noticed um, both the police, fire, and courts, you have um, indirect and soft costs. Could you explain to me, uh, I think I know the answer to this, but I'd like to hear the answer from you, what those are. Yes. Yeah, so your hard costs are your building costs. And I, I get that. That wasn't yep. my question. And soft cost is everything else. So within the everything else, you have design, you have uh, FF&E, which is uh, uh, fixtures, furniture, and equipment. You have, um, within design, you have architects, engineers, you have site. There's multiple different engineers. There's technology design. And there's also technology itself. And within these buildings, there's a lot of money in technology, right? So. Essentially, it's everything outside of the building cost to make this or to, to uh, finalize and deliver this building. Now, typically what we see is 20 and 30 percent of the total being soft cost. Here we have 22 percent. And we've done that <clears throat> and we've vetted that because of the size of the building, but then also um, the, the size of the technology also increased that a little bit. But we think that we have a fair number in there, and these soft costs are very important. Okay. Um, my next question is on uh, page two. You have a line item that says owner's contingency approximately 10%. Well, since we're the owners, what is the contingency? Well, it, it's a contingency for the city. It's a construction contingency. So we, we're planning this project out into the future. So we don't know all of the costs that we're dealing with based off design. So there's a contingency in that that we set up for all of the unknowns. On top of the inflation rate? On top of the inflation rate, yes. We have a very volatile market. I, I'm. Well, one second. Uh, Mr. Jackson, if you could either bring it down just a notch or maybe go into the back hallway, um, we'd appreciate it. We're having a, a difficult time hearing. Thank you so much. I guess I'm just a, a little concerned and confused by, by both of those numbers um, and the fact that when you went through this proposal, you talked about the fact that you added so much for square footage, and I'm just seeing that number as la rather large. Um, now, into the inflation rate, you've got it at 12%. Currently, the inflation rate is 8.5, and 
and they're looking at next year being uh, 1.9. So that's a 10.4 inflation rate. So could you explain why you gave a 12%? We'd rather be high than low. We'd rather, we, we, nobody knows what's gonna happen. Um, we, I can give you examples, several projects we did here in Michigan and out of state where we spent all our contingency. And a lot of times we give construction managers an incentive. We'll give them a percentage, 25, 35% of the construction savings to give them incentives to give us saving, to, to have savings so they can share in it, for example. The last couple of projects we had zero contingency because of COVID and, and lumber and steel and, and, and labor and things like that. That's still happening. And, and we do believe that it's going to change, hopefully for the better. But the inflation, it's, it's an estimate. And, we, and when we talk to um, financial experts, including uh, the cities, we wanted to err on the side of making this a little high than a little low. And so we start construction or get done in 2024 and we're not sure what's gonna happen with when. So for example, for the first time, we have to find places to stage and pay for that upfront and a warehouse now. We never had to do that before on our projects. That's a new thing in the last 20 years. And it's just happened and a lot of these people have never seen that. And so Ms. Wood, we're trying to, to make sure that we're being good stewards, but also um, doing it accurately enough that we feel comfortable giving you the number and also getting done with what we need to get done for the departments in the court. So you just made a statement in the last 20 years, this is something new. So are the projects that you gave us that were um, municipal projects older than 20 years? No, they're not. But you didn't have to do it with them? No, we did not. Okay. Uh, next, um, you talk about um, the uh, grassroots Midwest. Do you or does your firm have any personal or business relationship with Grassroots Midwest? Absolutely none. We, we interviewed, uh, John interviewed every possible uh, firm that we could use that we felt um, had good reputations and that was the one that rose to the top in our eyes um, and with uh, reputation and everything and we have zero relationship with them and haven't worked with them previously. Okay. Um, you indicated during your presentation that you will be financially helping to support uh, the campaign. Is that correct? Yes, because the city can, can educate, but the city can't lobby. Oh, I get that. And so we have to shoulder that burden, and we want to because we believe in this project. So we're paying you, and then you're going to take your money. I mean, we're paying you to do work. No, you, you did in the beginning. We're not going to pay you anything? Well, you did in the beginning, and then that wore off months ago. We're double now what we've been paid, invested. Um, so we, we are at risk. We are, we are incentivized to get this on the ballot and get it done, and that's why we wanted your vote tonight because... Right. Yep. So you are going to get paid. If the ballot... If this goes through, you're going to get paid. We're going to get paid. Okay. But it, but it comes so, through a, a market rate. Okay. Yeah. But... But we're paying you, and you're taking your dollars to pay this particular firm. No, that's not what we're getting paid for. We're getting paid as an owner's rep at risk, but we're not getting paid for the campaign. I think we're going apples and oranges on this. I think I know what I'm saying. Um, um, what is the cost of the campaign? I'm not sure that we can talk about the campaign at this meeting. This is an open meetings and this is taxpayer dollars and 
So I'm well, not. I think it's really important we're not spending taxpayer dollars on yeah. an advocacy campaign. Yeah, that's yes. true. Okay. Um, the, the, the advocacy team is separate of I, the city. I, I know it has to be separate. Um, and then I guess this is to the administration um, before, again, I ask one last question. Um, it says here that uh, we have spent $150,000 so far. Can you tell me what line item that came out of and where it was in the budget? Not offhand, it was, we put out an RFP, I'm sure we can get there for you. It was a certain amount per month. I wanna say it was, it was a certain amount per month. $25,000 per month, per but month it, it had to be budgeted. So I'm just wanna know where it was. Seeing the Jim. city attorney, yeah, sure. Jim. You wanna interject? Go for <clears throat> the contract that's being discussed was with the Lansing Building Authority, which is separate from the city. Okay. And it was not funded by the Lansing Building Authority, it was funded by the Lansing Economic Development Corporation under a, a memorandum of understanding between the LBA and the LEDC. It was to develop projects. There were, it was a memorandum, or the, rather the agreement, which was the result of an RFP uh, that, that was put out by the Lansing Building Authority, had a number of topic areas that the developer was to consult with and bring back proposals. No proposal will be approved until there is a notice of intent to proceed and a separate agreement, but it was not funded by the city's line item budget. Okay, so then will the city, if this goes through, will the city have to pay back? That's not been discussed. Um, All right. At this point. I, I think that was the intention, was that should this go through, there would be a recapture. Um, I do believe that was the intention. Yes. I don't know if it's in the contract or not. How can it be a recapture if we own it? Right, well, it would just be a, I mean, it's, putting money back into where it came from, but yes, that's true. Okay. And then my last question is, what are you getting paid? We have not finalized our uh, agreement with the city. We currently are under a professional service agreement and do not have a construction agreement and therefore have not negotiated any terms. We're at risk at this point. We've, we've agreed to a market rate and the market rate will be similar to what the county was paid, to, to what was paid in the county, was paid in the school system. We have not verified that yet, and we have a very good working relationship, and we're trusting, and so we're assuming market rate's gonna be, gonna be fair. And what's market rate? It's, it, it varies, but it can be anywhere from two and a half to four and a half percent. Depends on what the involvement is, what the risk is, that kind of thing. Two and a half to four percent of the 175 million. It could be. Okay, thank you. And for the record, stated two and a half. Um, Councilman Spadafore. I just wanted to touch on the contingency stuff too and just draw everyone's attention to the fact that we are authorizing the expenditure up to 175 million and about 3.9 mils. If we don't spend it, we don't have to issue bonds. And just, just so that's clear, if this does come in under budget or inflation is lower than 12%, we won't be um, assessing the residents as much and we won't be spending as much. No questions. We Statement. appreciate that. Do we have other questions, comments from the body? All right, seeing none, I'm gonna turn this over to Vice President Wood. Oh, oh I'm, so, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I promised that I'd, I'd recognize you three and I didn't. Um, so why don't we go ahead and start with uh, Chief Sosby, if you have anything to add, and um, then we'll certainly uh, transition over to Chief Sturdivant and then uh, Chief Judge Buchanan. Sorry about that. 
Uh, good evening, Council. Thank you for having us today. Uh, I just want to reiterate the importance of this project to the police department and the fire department and the court. Um, again, we're a little bit different than court and fire as we have not had a home in over 20 years. We have been renters and there's no return on rental property as you may know. Uh, we have a constant safety issue within our buildings. Uh, location is a, is, a, is a concern and utilities alone, uh, technology like uh, Mr. McGraw said, uh, is a, a high priority for us and not compatible with the current buildings that we have. And I urge uh, and ask for your support for this project. Thank you. Oh, good evening, Council. Uh, the fire echoes uh, what our police chief just spoke to. Uh, we do have some specific needs as our firehouses, as you are aware, are not only the workspace but the home place. 24-7, 365, we have members of our organization that live in those facilities. Uh, it is a, a high priority for us to ensure that the safety, while they are not responding to calls, the emotional ability to decompress and to uh, ensure that they are mentally prepared with the proper amount of situational awareness is in place at all times. We have some specific needs that revolve around health and safety. First and foremost, the separation of our turnout gear that constantly off-gas with toxic byproducts based on combustion is huge for us. Cancer and mental health issues and public safety in general, the fire service particularly, are through the roof right now. And I, every time my phone rings, I'm somewhat concerned, especially if I know it's coming from one of my assistant chiefs or the battalion chiefs, thinking that one of our members have engaged to the point where they're at the tipping point. So it is something that is constantly on our mind. Uh, also, the major systems, uh, there is a syndrome called sick building syndrome, and that's due to HVAC systems that are typically anywhere from 40 to 50 years old. They recycle this stale, sick air on a regular basis. Of uh, the World War II dorm style dormitories that our members sleep in, they are a breeding ground for infectious con uh, disease. And, and so this is a, a high priority. Uh, we, we've, uh, uh, I think our members have shown their dedication to this community. Uh, our call volume is, 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 is topping 25,000 calls a year now. We're doing this out of six stations. We've got a huge issue with sleep deprivation, which is another negative impact to situational awareness. And so when we tie all of these things together, this is a significant concern for not only our chief officers, but for myself as the fire chief. So we're very, very uh, supportive of this project. And uh, again, we could go on and on. You all, as uh, uh, Vice President Wood stated, you know our need. And uh, we just ask for the significant amount of consideration to possibly move this forward. Thank you. Thank you. And Chief Judge Buchanan, I appreciate Vice President Wood said that you all are aware of the issues that we're having, and so I'm here just to uh, make sure that you know that the court is uh, concerned. We have some real safety issues. We've been doing the best we can with what we have, but at some point, the best we can isn't going to be good enough, and so I just am looking for your help with a solution.
Thank you. Thank you. Um, Mayor Shore. Yeah, I just wanted to add, and you all should have uh, received a, a letter in your email inboxes from CCLP. They sent a, a letter supporting um, supporting putting this on the ballot for the viewers. That's the Capital City Labor Program. It's our police officer union. Thank you. All right, thank you. So, here, so here's the deal. Uh, I guess I'm speaking to my council colleagues. We can do a couple things here. Um, if you feel that your questions have been adequately answered and uh, have been exhausted and you feel ready to, uh, to actually vote on this one way or the other tonight, uh, we certainly can entertain a motion from Vice President Wood to move this out of committee uh, and on the council uh, for final consideration tonight. If, if you are not, um, we certainly can, if you feel like you have additional questions uh, that still need to be answered, uh, and if you'd like the time between now and August 8th uh, to ask those questions, I see you, I see both of you. Um, and, and to get those answers, we certainly can entertain a motion to table and then take this back up again on the 8th. Uh, so with that, uh, Councilman Spadafore. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I actually, um, last, whatever, two weeks ago that was, had a lot of questions, um, wasn't really confident that we could answer them. And over the last couple weeks, I've had some conversations and the presentation this evening, I think, has adequately answered the questions that I have about putting this in front of the voters. I think the only other questions that I would have are ones that we can't really you know, what's it going to look like? What's the, what's the furniture quality going to be? Those types of questions are not things we would generally answer at this stage of a project like this. Um, so with that, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to make a motion. That's your job, Carol. But um, I'm, I'm ready to vote this evening to ask the residents, because I know that when we do start moving forward with an advocacy campaign, not from this, t this table, but we're going to need some time to talk about what we're doing for, for the residents who don't watch these meetings on, on public television. So the, the more time, the better. And I don't think that the questions that are circling in my head can be answered until we know whether we're building this or not. All right, Councilwoman Spitzley. Thank you, Mr. President. So, you know, I, for me, and you know, it's personal for me as well, I, I, I understand, particularly with fire, um, the challenges and the conditions of the buildings. Um, and, and, I, and I know that, um, you know, LPD's, you know, kind of been a nomad and need a, you know, they've been moved from place to place to place. And I, it, for me, I wish that we would have um, been able to find a, a solution where the courts could stay with City Hall. And that's just for my personal opinion, for my personal safety, but I understand your, your concerns as well. I, you know, some of the, some of my questions have been answered um, for me. I don't like making decisions with a quick turnaround, and that's how I feel. We've been put in a position to make a make a decision with just a small amount of of lead-in time. You you are saying that you've been working on this for two years, and as I said, that's fine for you, but council just got it, and council just got this, and you know, and so you know we're trying to digest this information, and I think it is appropriate for us to have these hard questions and to ask the tough questions, because that's my job. You know, when we're looking at this millage and we're looking at residents having to pay an additional, you know, 150 odd dollars a year, and, and you're talking about inflation costs, you know, our residents are looking at inflation costs every day. And so we're asking the tough questions. I'm asking the tough questions because at the end of the day, when I'm in Meyer, I always use that, when I'm in Meyer, somebody's gonna ask me about it and I have to feel comfortable with saying I supported this because um, I, I'm a fan of letting the voters choose 
And so, you know, you guys, you guys are going to need to do a, a great campaign. And as I mentioned to the chief, the fire chief before, you're going to have to convince folks um, about a return on investment. Um, good, bad, or indifferent, a lot of folks remember the last millage and remember that promises weren't kept. Now, it's unfortunate that this is on this administration's shoulders to talk about that, but that's just how it is. And so part of that is that you're going to have to educate the residents on how you're going to keep your promises and, and what is their return on investment and how you're going to be different than the last millage. That's just how it is, unfortunate. So I'm, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the voters decide. Um, I have, I have a, a ton, a ton of questions. Um, and as Councilmember Spadafore said, some of them can't be answered right now. I was a little disappointed in some of the responses. But um, at the end of the day, you know, the voters are going to have to decide whether or not you guys put forth enough education for them to be able to vote yes. All right, Councilman uh, Daniels. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, a couple of things. One, thank you for coming back down here um, and and giving you know giving us more information than the last meeting. Um, I, you know, I agree with uh, Council Member uh, Spadafore that uh, you know I feel a lot more comfortable now uh, sending it to the voters. Uh, that being said, the uh, and then you know and the idea of clear transparency, um, Grassroots Midwest, the same agency that you're using. I use on my campaign, and I just want to make sure that that's clear so that there's no conflict when I vote. All right. Uh, Mr. City Attorney. You have no ownership interest in grassroots, then there is no conflict at this point. But it's great to disclose these things, yes. All right. Are there other questions or comments? Seeing none, Vice President Wood. I would um, move the resolution for the ballot language. Um, to um, move to council tonight, uh, supporting, uh, asking the voters to vote on the public safety millage. All right, there's a motion on the floor for the discussion. Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. All right, motion carries. That takes us to agenda item 6F. This is a resolution pertaining to the process for ARPA fund allocation. Um, just a very Mayor Shore, yes. Mr. President, do you, do you want these folks to all stick around for council meeting also? I don't know what your intention is, but certainly we want to have them available if you want them here for the next meeting as well. So I'm not going to make that decision on my own. If I see heads nod, I certainly will ask them to stay. Do you see I, value? Vice President Wood? I would just say that if we get comments during the public comment, that need to be answered if they're here, that's fine. If they um, don't, you know, if there's no questions or comments that we feel need to be addressed, then we could have them leave right after that. So is that palatable to the bunch? Yes. Thank you. All right, fantastic, thank you so much. Um, so again, out of the resolution process for ARPA fund allocation, uh, just a quick recap, um, this pertains to uh, federal ARPA funds. Um, the, the city was awarded uh, just south of $50 million. Um, this actually pertains to the second tranche. Uh, we have actually, as a council, already moved to accept. Uh, we are going to receive those um, next month. Uh, but what's before us tonight um, in front of council uh, for consideration as we moved it out of Committee of the Whole on the 11th um, is a uh, supplemental appropriation. 
in front of you tonight is a resolution. Let, a, a couple things first, and I wanted to reiterate just a few things that uh, Councilman Spadafore said at the last meeting before we actually talk about the resolution that's before you. Um, first is that the Uniform Budgeting Act later on tonight does actually require us to, to vote either up or down. So we have no power uh, to uh, amend the supplemental appropriation that has been for, put forth by the administration. If we were to vote that down later tonight, Essentially, what the mayor would have to do is bring the city council another supplemental appropriation to vet to consider and then again to either vote up or down. Okay, so that's the first piece. Um, the second piece, as Councilman Spadafore stated at our July 11th committee of the whole meeting, uh, no funds have yet been received. We are uh, set to or scheduled to receive those next month. Um, because of this reality, no funds have been cut, no funding has been taken away from any agency. Um, the spending plan that was initially sent to council was a proposal. Um, although for some reason um, it was accepted in the community as a done deal. Um, the, the other piece is that the plan in front of us tonight uh, does make a number of investments, one-time investments in city services. It does provide support uh, to uh, businesses and citizens of the city, city, especially those that have been historically marginalized, does work to address gun violence, uh, does address concerns over Morris, Park's, uh, Morris Park Pool and positions us uh, to take that next step in terms of addressing some of those issues uh, and making sure that we're able to bring that pool uh, back up to 21st century standards. Uh, and then it provides a um, uh, considerable amount of resources uh, for parks and recreation uh, opportunities really throughout the city of Lansing. That being said, the plan does set aside $1.9 million as referenced earlier by Mr. Lynn uh, for the mayor to allow for, for public input and to fund groups uh, and projects in the community aimed at really supporting those uh, most in need. What we wanted to do um, was put forth uh, a resolution encouraging the mayor to make sure uh, that that process um, is, is renewed, that the process is transparent, that it's uh, accessible, and that it is uh, equitable. Uh, when, I, and when I think about the word equitable, I think of groups that we often work with in the city of Lansing that are privileged enough to know how to navigate um, the city's um, systems, if you will that are privileged enough to have um, certain relationships in place uh, to where the conveyance of information uh, is readily available. Um, and, and again, it, it seems as if sometimes um, there are groups in our community that have a leg up because of that. Um, it is not their fault. Um, it is something that I think that we need to plan for, get out in front of, and we need to make sure uh, that we're pushing these things out in an equitable way. Uh, and so that was the spirit behind the resolution in, uh, in front of you tonight and the, the resolution that was referenced earlier. Um, with that, um, I do believe that uh, there may be uh, some ideas for amendments to the resolution to make it stronger. Uh, we certainly appreciate the input earlier um, because that improves our process. So what I'm going to do is turn uh, the floor over to Vice President Wood. Uh, thank you, President Hussein. Before us, we have a resolution, again, as uh, President Hussein indicated, um, asking the mayor um, as he goes through the process to make sure um, that um, groups, um, all groups um, throughout our community have an opportunity uh, to uh, apply for the funding um, and uh, that the purpose, um, that the process be fair, transparent, and equitable um, and far-reaching. What we'd like to do is add a, another whereas that, um, so this would be an motion to, um, first I'm motioning to the resolution and then I'm motioning to make a uh, amendment to the resolution that says, whereas council asked the mayor to provide council with a report of the process of awarding the grants and who has received those grants. 
And uh, with that, I would move the resolution. Okay, so first on the amendment, could you, once, could you read that once more uh, for the group? Thank you. The, uh, there will be one further whereas before the now, therefore it be resolved. And it would say, whereas city council asked the mayor to provide uh, council a report of the process of awarding the grants and who received the grants. All right, so there is a motion on the floor uh, to amend the resolution for the discussion. All right, so on the amendment first, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. And now I would move the um, resolution with the amendment. And on the resolution, is there further discussion? Councilman Jackson. So a few things, um, and I may offer an amendment of my own to take from the fleet and increase it to the mayor's 1.9, because when I read this, the um, resolution to you know have the mayor distribute his piece fairly and equitably, I look at that and I almost see his portion as what the main part of ARPA is supposed to be, because I still look at the language. There's A, B, C, D, whereas sections 602 and 603 provide these funds may be used as follows. And each one of these, except for D, is in a response to a public health emergency with respect to COVID or its negative economic impacts, including the census households, small businesses, nonprofit. So the point is, it's in response to what COVID caused. And when I look through, I'm gonna call the remaining 25,000 million, basically budget, Lansing budget 2.0. I mean, we went through the parks. Can I stop you just for a second? Because I, I really appreciate the conversation, I do. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to remind everybody, number one, the only thing we're looking at in Committee of the Whole is the resolution that pertains to the encouragement of the mayor to open this process up, to make sure it's far-reaching, in terms of the 1.9 million, to make sure it's fair, equitable, and transparent. Tonight, what we're going to do as part of our city council meeting is actually take a look at this uh, supplemental appropriation. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll remind you, um, because I think, I think your comments um, have value, um, that we, the only thing that we can do is either vote up or down. We cannot actually amend. Um, so, you, you know, in terms of your concerns, if those aren't adequately addressed, um, you certainly have uh, the, the right to vote that down. Uh, but again, we cannot amend later tonight. Okay, okay. I appreciate yeah. that. So I'll hold my comments for council. All right, so all right, further discussion. All right, seeing and hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All, all those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Uh, and that takes us to adjournment. We are going to adjourn uh, from Committee of the Whole at 7 o'clock, and we will begin our city council meeting tonight at 7.05.